Well, good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. We may be few, um, but that's okay. Uh, it was there was only a few that actually braved the cold on Friday for the the last town stage of the of the year. So uh, I didn't expect to see too many people out there anyway because it was so cold. But it is turned a little cooler, and then it's going to be warm again. I, the weather just can't make up its mind. Um, but I'm glad that everyone's here this morning. So grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. So some news, things that are going on in the life of the church. You'll see on the back of your bulletin our ongoing events of things that are going on. You'll see our upcoming events of discipleship group and our uh, growth group. Uh, we'll meet uh, Both of those will meet this week, uh, Monday and Wednesday. Uh, and our Advent study this year is going to be The Heart That Grew Three Sizes by, excuse me, by Matt Rawl. Um, I actually have the books in the back. I, I ordered eight books um, for anybody that wanted to take part of that. Go ahead and start reading if they wanted to. Um, I have not. I've got the date set there for <coughs> Tuesdays. Um, so you, you take note of that for our Advent study this year. Um, I wanted something a little different, and uh, the Grinch, I grew up with the Grinch, so this is a study based off of uh, the Grinch, so I hope it's going to be a good one. From what I read, the little pieces that I read of it, it's, it's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting read this year. So be aware of that. Um, I think that's all the announcements that I have this morning. Um, earlier this week, on the 1st of November, was All Saints Day. Uh, so we do take time to remember all those who have passed in the past year. Um, so to celebrate that, is we're going to have a communion liturgy. Our communion liturgy this morning is going to be based off of all, the All Saints Day liturgy. So that's uh, where we'll be with that. So um, just be aware of that. Uh, are there any other announcements this morning? Methodist women tomorrow night. Methodist women tomorrow night? I thought it was the second no, Sunday. It it's the 15th. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I, was, I was getting ready to get really worried. <laughs> it, it's, the, it's the Monday after the second Sunday. It is. That's right. I'm sorry. Okay. I want to make sure I was still right. You are. Okay. Yes. Methodist Women is next week. Uh, so be aware of that. I did not put that in there, though. so it does need to be in this week's, but you know it didn't get put in there. So, yeah, I mean, this women is next week, fifteenth. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Any other announcements this morning? All right. Well, let us begin our time with prayer this morning. So let us pray. Abiding and caring God, help us remember that you are present with us calling us to be our best selves. Help us learn to love ourselves, that we might learn to love our neighbors. With the caring example of Christ, we seek to be your love and care in the world. Amen. Our song of preparation this morning is How Great Is Our God uh, by Chris Tomlin. So sing as you feel comfortable this morning.
continue this morning, we take time now to lift up our joys and our concerns so that we can pray with and for one another and celebrate with one another uh, this morning. Uh, so we, uh, we did have one this week. I'm having to pull it up to make sure I get it right. Um, that we added to the prayer list. Uh, so we need to add uh, Ronnie Lucas to the prayer list. He had an accident on Sunday. Uh, so we need to make sure we remember him as he recovers from that. Um, are there others to add to our list this morning? Tommy's having a gallbladder operation tomorrow. Yes, Tommy's having his operation tomorrow. Others this morning. Well, seeing no others to add to our list this morning, let us uh, take our prayers to the Lord this morning. So let us pray. Lord God, as we have come this morning to worship, as we have come in spite of the, the, the cool temperature, in spite of the wind blowing through and making it feel a little bit colder, Lord, we come to worship. We come to hear you speak. We come just to be in the presence. So Lord, as we have come this morning, we come with all those things that are on our hearts and our minds. Those people that are sick, those who are lost, those who are dealing with grief, and all those that are dealing with things that we just have no idea about. But Lord, this morning we come lifting them up to you. We come up lifting all those that are on our prayer list. We come lifting up those who we have added this morning. We come and lift up those who we pray for each and every day. So Lord, as we have come and gathered this morning, Lord, we just put these people in your hands, trusting and knowing that you will do what is right and good. So Lord, as we continue this morning with your service, with the service that worships you, Lord. Speak to us. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes, and open our ears so that we can see and hear and love the way that Jesus loves. We ask all these things in His name, in Jesus' name, the one who taught us a prayer to pray and how to pray. So this morning we join with all those uh, saints and sinners, the chorus of those who have said it for many, many centuries. We pray that prayer this morning, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Our first scripture reading this morning is from the Psalms. It's our Psalter reading, Psalm 127. You'll find this in your bulletin this morning, and let us read this psalm together. Unless it is the Lord who builds the house, the builder's work is pointless. Unless it is the Lord who protects the city, the guard on duty is pointless. 
It is pointless that you get up early and stay up late. Eating the bread of our labor because God gives sleep to those who love us. No doubt about it, children are a gift from the Lord. The children born when one is young. The person who feels a quiver full with them is truly happy. As we continue this morning, we are always continually grateful for those offerings of tithes, time, and those things that we offer to this community and to this church as a response to God. So let us uh, let me offer this prayer this morning as, as um, our over the uh, over our responses to God's gifts. So let us pray. Help us give ourselves with abandon to one another, as Naomi and Ruth gave themselves to each other. Help us give ourselves without anxiety and service. Help us give in ways that help this congregation mend lives through love. And may these gifts heal an aching world and care for all creation. Amen. This morning our message text comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 44. So hear now the Gospel according to Mark. 38. I say 28. It should be 38. I didn't put it in there right, but that's my problem. So we're going to start at verse 38. As he was teaching, he said, this is Jesus, Watch out for the legal experts. They like to walk around in long robes. They want to be greeted with honor in the markets. They long for places of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. They are the ones who cheat widows out of their homes. And to show off, they say long prayers. They will be judged most harshly. Jesus sat across from the collection box for the temple treasury and observed how the crowd gave their money. Many rich people were throwing in lots of money. One poor widow came forward and put in two small copper coins worth a penny. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than everyone who's been putting money in the treasury. All of them are giving out of their spare change. But she, from her hopeless poverty, has given everything she had even what she needed to live on. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, as we have heard your scriptures read this morning, open our ears to hear your Word. So may the words of your servant's mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So these verses this morning are often used during the season of stewardship, a time in which people are asked to evaluate what and how much they are giving, to evaluate if they can give a little bit more, or to pledge to give a certain amount over the next year. Now, I'm not one that likes to talk about money from the pulpit, because I think that can get the wrong impression. But at the same time, 
we need to understand that money is not necessarily a fully evil thing. And after the past 20 months that, of, of what we have gone through, I don't understand to stand up here and give a sermon about you need to give more money, you need to evaluate what you got and give some more, because that's not what it's about. Because there is never going to be a time in the life of this church and in the life of this church's ministry that it is not going to need money for something. And I can tell you, it's there. Because when God is in what we do, somehow the money is there to do it. So that's all I'm going to say about money and about stewardship. Because I think we understand what it is to give. But we're going to dive into the scripture as something other than stewardship. So when I did my studying this morning, or this week, this morning, I hope it wasn't this morning, as I did my <laughs> reading this week, I came across a commentary by Pete Perry. And Pete asked two questions. The first one he says, does Jesus point to the poor widow who gives her last two coins to the temple as a model of giving? Or does Jesus point to her because she is a tragic example of how relig religious institutions suck the life out of people? Now, when I read those two questions, the first one I was like, okay, that's what I've heard. This story is about giving, about how much you give, about what you give out of. But when I read the second one, when I read the second one, my, my heart dropped a little bit. Because unfortunately, I have seen how the religious institutions can suck the absolute life out of people. Now the second question is one that can be very controversial because most churches don't want to believe they ever do that. And most don't. But there are some that do. There are some that are saying, give till it hurts, but that's not what it's about. You see, this, this second question brings to light the atrocities that a church has done over the years and that some are still doing. And like I said, not every church does this. But unfortunately, churches get clumped together the same way that people do based on some feature or something some label that is given out there. Now, these churches who are doing this will be judged for their transgressions. And those who don't will be judged for what they are doing. But I believe that Jesus is pointing out the transgressions of the church when he's talking about the widow and her two coins. So how is, how is it also talking about how the leadership of the temple, of the synagogue, the one who is supposed to be the open place, the place where anybody can come, is taking advantage of those who are helpless. And how those same leaders parade their wealth. You know, if you had a long road back in those days, you had some money because that was a lot of cloth. So you had some money and, and these, these leaders wanted to make sure it was known that, hey, I'm a leader in the church. Look at me. They wanted that recognition for their status 
They wanted to make sure they sat in the best seats at the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. And Jesus has already warned us about assuming that we get to sit at the head table, that we don't need to assume we get to sit there. We have to be invited. But these leaders assumed that they were the highest of honored places. And then to make it even worse, they'd go stand out in the synagogues and pray these long, elaborate, you know, theological prayers that nobody understood just so they could be seen as high and mighty. But Jesus pretty much says these leaders are hypocrites. They are persons who are pretentious and show off their status only to draw more attention to themselves at the expense of the less fortunate. So he first points out what is wrong with these leaders. And then Jesus does what he does best. He goes and sits down and people watches. Now do we have any people watchers in here? Jan is a people watcher. Kerr is a people watcher. Oh yeah, we got some people watchers in here. It's interesting when you sit and watch people. And that's what Jesus decides to do. He decides to go sit down and watch now, I could just imagine Jesus going and sitting in this place and his disciples kind of gathered around him, probably in their own little clumps, talking, having their own little conversation, not paying a, a thing, attention to a thing that Jesus is doing at this moment. But Jesus sits down and people watches. He watches the crowd as they come up to put money into the treasury, the church treasury. And what he sees is these rich people come up with this loads and bags of money and just dropping those bags in. He sees those who maybe are in the middle class doing the same thing. They're giving a lot. But then he sees this widow. Now, if you remember, in biblical times, a widow had nothing. She couldn't own land. She had to rely on everyone and everybody else around her, including the church, to make sure she had food and clothing and anything else that she needed. And here comes this widow, probably in rag, raggedy clothes, just clothes that you know were handed down three or four times before she even got a hold of them. She came and put in just two coins that didn't amount to anything to begin with. She couldn't really buy anything with these. But she brought it up and put in all she has. One of the commentators I read says this, Some may read this passage as Jesus commending the widow for her sacrifice. But those who read the text carefully realize that Jesus does not do this Rather, he simply tells his disciples that the two small coins she gave are worth more than the gifts of the rich persons who gave much more but sacrificed very little. <clears throat> sacrificed. What does that mean? What does what sacrificing mean? 
Because sacrificing can be a very dangerous notion, says Emily Towns. She says, it's dangerous because we often ask those who are the most vulnerable to give the most. So why do we valorize? Why do we make it popular and exciting to sacrifice? This valorization is more than a slow mulling over its Latin roots. Because in Latin, it's, it's the combination of sacred and to make. So that sacrifice is something of value offered as an act of devotion to worship God. But here's where, here's where Towns gets a little, little controversial. She says, in today's world, sacrifice often means something very different from an act of devotion or worship. It often means giving up more than we should and less than we can. And this is Towns' words. In the United States, we ask those in the working class and those who are poor to bear the weight of tax cuts that benefits those who are wealthier. This kind of sacrifice echoes Jesus' warning in the passage for us to beware. Jesus is showing us how the system has failed those who are weak, those who are poor, those who are vulnerable, those who rely on the church. Roger Nishokia says this, The attack is on any religious practice that masks egotism and greed. The scribes are like leeches on the faithful, benefiting from a religious system that allows poor widows to sacrifice what little they have. We should be outraged, he, said, he says, by any system that appropriates the property of the poor and the near destitute in order to perpetuate wealth for the elite. So what does that mean for us? What part may we be playing in this system? Have we ever made it difficult for others? How should we possibly react to the systems of this world that benefit the elite and the wealthy? According to Roger, we must reflect seriously upon our own complicity in current systems of violence and oppression. But, he says, reflection alone is not enough. Reflection must lead to specific and sustained action by engaging spiritual practices that challenge political and economic systems in the church, in the nation, and in the world. He says the church must come to understand these practices are the very life flowing out of its own worship. See, this morning we, we come to the table to celebrate communion, but our table is in our pews with little cups.
We come to the table because we know it's a place that we can come no matter who we are, no matter what status we have in the community. And we have to come with the understanding knowing that we are all equal at this table. See, for Augustine, one of the founding fathers of Christianity, one of those ones who, I swear, didn't have anything else to do but to sit down and write stuff. For him, our duty is to, he says, it is our duty to present ourselves, all of who we are, to God in the communion meal. But Towns takes it just a little bit farther. She says, however, rather than confine Augustine's compelling charge just to communion, how can we take the grace and the hope we find in this wine and bread and make it live in our lives in ways that not only sustain us, but model for others the enormous power of offering all of who we are to the rest of creation. Jesus was asked by the experts, what is the greatest commandment of them all? He said, first, to love your God with all your mind, your body, your soul. Every part of your being is to love God. And the second is to love your neighbor. And he said the second is just as important as the first. So as we celebrate communion this morning, even though we celebrate it in a way that we have had to become more accustomed to, let's find that grace and that hope. And let's take that grace and that hope that's in these elements, in the remembrance of this meal, and make it a living thing in our lives. So that our lives honor God and honor our neighbors. That is what I feel this story is about. That widow honored God by giving all that she had. And it wasn't just the two copper coins that she threw in the treasury. She gave all. She gave all of her to God. So it's not about how much you give. It's about what you give. And what you give is not necessarily money or of any monetary value to anyone else. What you give is all of yourself to God and neighbor. So this morning we're going to celebrate <coughs> communion. So I hope you have your bread and your juice and you have your little card with you this morning. Hope you picked all of those up. Like I said at the beginning of the service, we're going to be doing the All Saints Liturgy. So the responses will be the same that's on your card, but the parts that is the, of the pastor will be just a little bit different when we get down towards the bottom.
So Christ, our Lord, invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sins, and who desire to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sins before God and one another. We confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us with joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Since we are few, we're going to skip the passing of the peace. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Creating and redeeming God. In Adam, Abraham, and Moses, in Deborah, Esther, and Mary, you have chosen not simply to direct the course of events, but to be in relationship with us and to entrust your children with the embodiment and exercise of your will. In the dying and rising Christ, you give us not just a Savior, but an example. And in every generation, you call people to imitate the pattern of his life and death, and so witness to your glory. You call us to be not heroes who go at it alone, but saints, whose every breath depends on others and on you. We rejoice that those saints take their place in the company of heaven, with whom we join in singing the unending hymn of your joy and praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Transforming God, in this gathering you take the fruit of the vine and human hands and make them a blessing of your people now and forever. As our earthly bodies decay and die and resemble your son's body taken down from the cross, send your spirit and remake us in the image of your son's resurrected body. That our scars may become signs of your glory and our hearts may be one with yours. Sanctify this bread and this cup, that they may be, may be for us the body and the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who at supper with his disciples took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper he took the cup. 
Again, he gave thanks and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ, Christ is died. Christ, Christ is risen. Christ, Christ will come Resurrecting God, bless those who mourn that they may be comforted. Bless the poor in spirit that they may inherit the kingdom of heaven. Bless the pure in heart that they may see you. Visit those who face death and persecution and violence, that they may know the gladness and rejoicing of your kingdom. Be close to any who end, who end their days in agony and isolation, that they may enter the joy of their reward. Where your children feel all is lost, meet them in their fear. Touch them in their loneliness and raise them by your mercy, so that on the last day, when you bring a new heaven and a new earth that may discover you as an infinite circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere and be changed from glory into glory with you and by you, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As we take our elements this morning... This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ given for you. So as we remember the act of Christ on our lives, our song of invitation this morning is Your Grace is Enough. And this is sung by Matt Meyer. So seeing as you feel comfortable this morning, Your Grace is Enough. Nothing can keep us apart. 